listening to A Conversation with Albie. Mary Alice Burge. to the premiere edition of A Conversation with Albie. This is our first episode, and I figured uh, what guest would be best to start with than the person I first met in my life, and that would be my mother, Mary Alice Burge. Hello, Mom. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for being my first guest. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Your full name is Mary Alice Burge. You were born Mary Alice Topping. Yes. And then Mary Alice Velotti. Yes. And now Mary Alice Burge. You were born on March 25th, 1936. Correct. You know who was president when you were born? I think Roosevelt. Yep, Franklin D. Roosevelt. On the day you were born, the longest hockey game ever took place. It was between the Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Maroons. It lasted two hours and 56 minutes. Mm, I don't watch hockey. That's interesting. But it's a little known fact. And the Hoover Dam was just getting finished. That I know. So um, a lot has happened since then, huh? Oh, yeah. The world has changed a lot, but I lived in the best of times. All right. Let's let's uh, let's start at the beginning. What's your earliest memory? Um, my earliest memory was when I was in the carriage and my sister was wheeling me. But when I was talking to my other sister, Grace, and telling her about this thing that I kept remembering about looking out the window, sitting on a red velvet thing. And she said, oh, you were a baby. How do you remember that? Wow. <laughs> but I would look out the window and watch my brothers and sisters play. I was too young to go out and play. And you remember that. And I remember that. So you grew up in uh, the late 30s, early 40s was your childhood. And you mentioned you had two sisters. Well, I had three sisters. One sadly passed away when I was a baby. What was her name? Her name was Edna May, and that's the name I named my daughter after her. Oh, wow. See, I always thought you named uh, your daughter Edna after your mother. Yeah, my mother's name was Edna, too. But the May came in after my sister because she was Edna May. Edna May. And what did she die of? Strep throat. You now see how the world has changed. Now they just give you an antibiotic, and it wasn't around then. Big difference. Big difference. If we had antibiotics back then, yeah, would have been different. She would have been still here. So then you had uh, two sisters survived. Yeah, Grace and Ruth. I know Aunt Ruth passed, right? Aunt Ruth passed about 13 years ago. Grace is still around. Grace is still around, doing good. She's 82, still going, going, going. Oh, I love her. She's awesome. She's always uh, full of energy. Full energy, loves to go to great adventure, loves to drive long distance, loves to get out and walk. She's something else. (laughs) Well, that's what they say. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? And she uses it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And you had brothers too, right? I have two brothers. One passed away about three years ago. Bob, he was a minister and he lived in Virginia. And Howard lives in Ocala. He's doing good. He's 79 now and... Still going. He's still going, married, and got a lot of stepchildren and great-grandchildren and enjoys every minute of them. The most I remember about Uncle Howard, besides being a uh, great man in general, is a fabulous cook, fabulous chef. Oh, wonderful cook. 
If you ever had his ribs, you'll never forget them, and his coleslaw is unbeatable. I always was excited when we went over to his house for uh, dinner. <laughs> yeah, every Sunday it was when we lived in Farmingdale. Mm -hmm. It was dinner at Uncle Howie's and Aunt Mary Ann's house. Roast beef, string beans, mashed potatoes, and rye bread from the bakery. Really good stuff. Comfort food. But he always made a fuss over everybody, and the store was always open to feed them all. He still feeds the gangs. Anybody comes to his house, out comes the food. Yeah, he uh, will give you the shirt off his back, not just figuratively, but literally. Uh, what are other childhood memories uh, that you have? Well, I loved going to the roller skate rink. I lived right around the corner from the roller skating rink, and when I was about two, three years old... I disappeared one day. I heard the music and walked into this. It was so little, I walked right past the, where you paid. They didn't even see me. Walked <laughs> right in. Uh -huh. Made somebody put skates on me, and off I was and never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, my mother was going crazy looking for me. But that was my start of my roller skating. And I roller skated every Saturday and Sunday afternoon. For as long as I could remember till I was in high school and we had a junior roller derby and I was the blocker <laughs> and it was fun racing. I enjoyed that better than the dancing. I wasn't that good at the dancing, but just the racing I loved and we had fun. And, of course, you have your first little boyfriend there at the roller skating rink that you held hands and skated couples. He was your first boyfriend? What was his name? Georgie Ritaco. <laughs> Georgie Ritaco. <laughs> and now I understand he owns several pizza places in Nutley, New Jersey. Oh, wow. But I just found that out recently from somebody from Nutley that knew him. And uh, so it was quite an exciting youth Went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night. My father did the Sunday night preaching in the Grace Baptist Church sometimes to fill in for the pastor. And it, we were had grace every night at supper time. And we were a good family. Everybody loved each other. Every It was a very peaceful upbringing. Everybody just got along so good. Just a really happy home, huh? Very happy home. Never lacked for anything. Always had three good meals and snacks. And my father always worked hard and provided well. And my mother balanced the budget. If it was ever tight, we never knew it. We always had everything we needed. You can't ask for anything more growing up. If I wanted special dress or anything, I'd just tell my mother, here's the pattern. I like this material. I'd have a new dress by the end of the day. She could make anything. Wow. She could cook. She could bake. She made homemade candy. And my father sold them on his milk route. He did a lot of extra things so we could have everything we could possibly want. He was a milkman? He was a milkman for Borden's for 38 years and nine months. Now, I don't think he ever took a day off. Wow. He was always a good provider and a good father. Uh, what I remember of him, he was very polite, very intelligent, very caring. Very caring. My father had a thing. He'd get up every morning early, read five chapters of his Bible, and go for a long walk. He said, if you don't use it, you lose it. And he lived to 93. So that's pretty amazing. And he was healthy up until he fell a few months before he passed. And that just did him in a little bit. Yeah. 
but he missed my mother. They were married, I think, 63 years before she passed. And I never heard an argument in the house once. Wow. And that is so unbelievable. Yeah. But the only thing wrong with that was I thought all marriages were like that, and I was shocked when it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, your first marriage, you got married pretty young, huh? Yeah, I was 16 when I got married the first time. And we had four kids. Sadly, two of them passed away, but I still have the two older ones. And Joe's a minister and doing well in Maryland. Married to a wonderful woman. And Ralph got married young to JoJo, his sweetheart from school. And they're still married 39 years later and couldn't be happier. That's a very good success story that they have. I tell people about that when uh, they ask if marriage can last. And I said, well, my brother. Yeah, 39 years to a wonderful woman. I feel like I'm blessed with three wonderful daughter-in-laws. My sons are very lucky men to have such wonderful wives. And what more could a mother want for her family but her boys to be happy? And I think we all are. Yeah. So five children all together. Joe is your first. Joe is the oldest. He was born March 5th, 1953. Mm, Another March baby like yourself. Yeah. And then Ralph came along April 19th, 1955. Edna 13 months later in 1956. And Vinny was born January 2nd, 1958. Then... Many, many years later, I had you, (laughs) Albie, when I was 39. It was the most wonderful thing I could have done. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I was blessed with a good second husband, and we decided to have a, a child between us, and it was a treasure that we tried to have you for three years. So when it finally happened, it was a miracle, and you've been a miracle for us ever since. I always felt very valued and cherished and loved my whole life. Well, I think that's because you were planned and wanted more than anything in the world. Mm, I always felt that way. Um, So let's talk about um, Edna. I I Sadly, I never got to meet her. She was a very sweet girl. She uh, was very smart. She was an honor student until she was in sixth grade and she was raped by three boys yeah and she never got over it and it took everything out of her yeah and eventually she died Mm. i think that had a lot to do with it there wasn't as much support system back then as there is today it was awful we my husband took her to the police station and they acted like, what did you do to entice the boys? It wouldn't happen today. Again, things have changed. We've seen lots of changes since 1936. Most of them for the better. Some for the worse, but most of them for the better. Yeah. I mean, my when my father was born... It was horse and buggy. Then the cars came along. In fact, when he started in a milkman, he ran a a horse and buggy milk truck. Wow. So he's seen more changes than I did, but I've seen a lot. Yeah, you saw a lot. Men on the moon. (laughs) What was that like? It was amazing to see that on TV, people going up in space. I mean, you just didn't have that. I remember everybody talking about 
the Hindenburg blowing up. That was in New Jersey. So there was a lot of history in New Jersey where I grew up. That's when you were a young girl, right? Because uh, very young. The Hindenburg took its first flight on the year you were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, I remember the talk about it. It was uh, something they talked about for years. Mm. I had a few great aunts. That my aunt Kate was so good. She lived around the corner, and she was always there when I had Joe as a baby, helping me. And taking a walk with me. And when coupons first came out, uh, she would take the money she saved for coupons and buy Joe something. It was her, she didn't have much, but what she could save, she was always there for Joe Jr. to get him little rompers or socks or little things. But it meant a lot to me. It's good to have a little support system when you're raising children. It's not easy. Not easy. And I had Nan Edith and Aunt Marguerite, and they, their family was always close. My Uncle Jim, and they all would come over the house and play Pinochle. I still play Pinochle all the time. It's something I learned sitting on my mother's lap as a kid. But it was nice growing up. So, very good life overall. Uh, Vinny? Vinny was struggled in school, but made it and ended up going to... Uh, Union Technical Institute, I think the name was, to become um, more or less an inventor and scientist. And he worked in California where he sadly passed away, too. At a young age of 29, he was married with two children, very nice boys, Anthony and Nicholas, and a wonderful wife he had, Teresa, who I still keep in contact on Facebook occasionally and he passed away in 1987. A couple of years after we moved down to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So you were young at the time. Very hard on me. First time something like that happened. Yeah. But when you were sick with the Lyme disease, he came all the way from California to see and hoped that you'd be better. Yeah. I always remember he'd give me a gift of something like either a model or a science project or something to stimulate my mind and stuff. Yeah. He did a lot with electricity, uh, rerouting electric. If your electric was down, they could reroute it so you wouldn't be without electric for a long time. He had a lot to do with that. Yeah. He's a good guy. So married so young, is that one of the reasons the marriage didn't work out or... Oh, definitely. At 16 and 17, very few marriages last like that, like JoJo and Ralph. Uh, Neither one of us grew up enough before. And he was a great guy as far as he was a great baseball player. He was a good singer, amazing, and played the guitar and played in bars. But, of course, all the girls fall for the singers. And... He was young and enjoyed that, mm-hmm. so it wasn't very good for the marriage, though. Yeah, that could have a damper on marriage if yeah. uh, you're popular with the ladies after you're married. He still. was very popular with the ladies. Now, I've heard that like uh, that whole group of people, uh, Frankie Valley, Four Seasons, was in that group of people, or what was that about? Oh, and he was a kid when he first met me. Frankie Valley and the boys would walk around Stephen Crane Village, which was right next to Silver Lake, where part of Belleville, where Joe grew up, 
they all walked the streets and sang together before the Four Seasons were Four Seasons. Oh, wow. But Joe went country and they went do up. Hmm. But they were friends when they were younger. Oh, that's cool. So that was nice. It's a small world. It's a very small world. You got your first house with your first husband, yeah. Joe? Yeah, we owned a house on Union Beach on Park Avenue. It was down the Jersey Shore. And on the weekend, everybody would come down, spend the weekend. My mother-in-law, who was a wonderful woman, would come down and start cooking on Friday night and cook all weekend. All the friends and family would come over, play cards, and we'd barbecue, and Joe would play his guitar out in the yard on a Sunday afternoon. And we had lots of fun. I was working in Bambergers at the time, so my mother-in-law would cook meals and put them in the freezer. So all I had to do was heat them up when I come home from work. Oh. She was an exceptional mother-in-law who I love forever. Maybe that's why you're such a good mother-in-law to your daughter-in-laws. <laughs> yeah, she was a very good example. Oh, that's good. She was very good. And we were friends even after I married Al. Al and I would go down to Naples. We went down a couple times to see her, and we just enjoyed her company. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned working. Tell me about your first jobs, your jobs throughout your life and what you like. Well, the first job I had was in the... New Jersey Bell Telephone Company. I didn't last long because I got pregnant right away after I got married. So it was too much for me with my upset stomach. <laughs> so I left that. And then Joe didn't want me to work. He wanted me to be home with the baby. So I was home with the kids until Joe was in high school. Uh, what was that job like? You were an operator? Yeah. All you had, a, it was the old-fashioned. You picked up, you said, number, please. They give you the number, you plugged in, and then you kept having to push a bell to ring the bell at the, the so, people's house. So you're telling me when the phone rang in somebody's house, it was somebody literally pushing a button at the other yeah. end? Wow. The phones have come a long way. Now you carry them around in your pocket. Now you carry them around your pocket. That's crazy. And it, the bills were like 3 $4 a month, and you couldn't afford them because you didn't <laughs> have enough money. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow. So they couldn't have paid you much, huh? No. And the phone company, my first check was $39 for 40 hours a week. Wow. $39 and change. I think it was 89 cents, if I remember. And I thought, if I ever made $100 a week, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Today, $100 don't mean anything. You step out of the house and $100 is gone. Mm. But when we first were married, if you made $60 a week, you paid $55 a month rent for a nice apartment that had... All your utilities supplied. Oh, that's nice. So $60 a week, you had that plus you had money to spend. Today, you make a lot more money, but it don't go as far. You still end up with just a little, maybe $40 if you're lucky after you pay all your bills, you know? Yeah. I guess that's the way society's set up. <laughs> <laughs> they go, how much can we get out of these people now? Yeah, everything. If you get a little raise in Social Security today... Every company wants part of it, so you have less. You can't get ahead. Speaking of growing up in young adulthood, what was your favorite kind of movies or music back then? Did you... Oh, I think anything with Montgomery Cliff in. <laughs> As a 
young teenager. That's the guy, the movie star I wanted to see. And it was romantic comedies were the most that I enjoyed. But you went to the movies for 11 cents. You seen cartoons, newsreel, and two movies. And during the war, they would have the events of what's going on in the war. Like you get the news today, what's going on? Well, you went to the movies to see it then. So you got a lot for your 11 cents. Yeah, now it's you can't walk out without spending 40 or $50 for two people. You got candy was a nickel and popcorn was 10 cents. And if you had 15 cents, you were lucky. <laughs> but they wouldn't let you have soda in the movies back then. Uh, why? Because it would spill maybe and it get sticky? It probably would spill, yeah. And I remember if my father and mother, they would take me when they went to the movies at night rather than leave me home with the other kids. When they were older, and it would be plate night. You'd get a plate when you went to the movies this week, maybe a bowl the next week. They would give you something for going to the movies. Like a little added incentive. Mm-hmm. So did you have a big collection of plates from going to the movies then? No, I don't think so. <laughs> they didn't go that often. <laughs> no. It had to be a special movie. Your favorite music around that time? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to say the hymns from church, because mm -hmm. in our house, my mother played the piano, my sister played the accordion, uh, I played the violin, and we all played hymns. And we got together, and as a family sang, you didn't have TV, you had a radio, but the music in the family was the thing. I think that's why... It attracted me to Joe. He was musically inclined and it meant a lot mm -hmm. to him. And he ended up teaching my kids how to play. Yeah, they're all very musical. Yeah, Ralph has his father's voice. He sings wonderful. And he's very into his music. And now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I've traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my and Joe likes to sing and plays a guitar, and his wife plays the drums, I think. Oh, wow. And that's where they met in church, playing instruments. Oh, see, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. That was somewhere near Orlando. You had a radio growing up in the living Yeah, a radio growing up. Uh, what kind of radio programs did you like? I liked The Shadow, Long Ranger, Fibber McGee and Molly. Those were the, about the best ones. And then they had a lot of soap operas, which I didn't get into then, and I can't get into them now. <laughs> yeah, soap operas, they uh, named them that because there was always a commercial for a different kind of laundry soap. Yeah, Lux. Lux Theater. Lux Presents Hollywood. <laughs> yep, I've heard some of those. I try to listen to the old radio programs. So when did you guys first get a television set? Uh, we had one of the first TVs on the block, and it was... A small screen, like 10 or 12 inches, 
and you got a magnifying glass on a stand to put in front of it <laughs> so that it looked bigger. But that was as big as you could get. And they, from what I understand, they were very expensive. But I think my Aunt Marguerite got one in New York. So when we went over there and seen uh, Milton Berle, my mother had to get one. <laughs> so we had one right away. And now what kind of television do you have? 3D, <laughs> HD, you name it, it does everything. Big difference, huh? Uh, tell me, uh, how was your school career for you? Um, how did you do in school? I didn't like school growing up. The I think they compared me, teachers would compare me to my oldest brother who was a brilliant honor student. In fact, he graduated Princeton. Oh, wow. That be Bobby? That's Bob. Okay. And uh, I just couldn't measure up to him. I was like an average student. Not, I never failed, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't Bob. I wasn't Ruth. Hmm. They were both amazing honor students. And uh, but when I went back to college, when you were a baby, I did great credit, high honors in contract law, real estate, I had honors. I did very well. Uh, Brookdale Community College? Brookdale Community College, because I wanted to, I was a rental agent, and I did it because I, it would further my career, which it did. And we stayed there until you got Lyme disease, and we moved down to Florida, which turned out good, because you met Heather here. Yeah, I'm very happy that I met Heather. She's in the room right now. She's our audio engineer for today. The memory I have of Brookdale Community College was you took me to, I think, my first musical I saw, which was Damn Yankees that they put on there. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, very fascinating to me. And from then on, I loved musicals and the theater and stage plays of any kind. And then when you were a model in New York, we would go to a play after you did a go see or modeled, we would go to a play and you loved it. Yeah, I always loved any play on Broadway and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Little things you don't think your kid would remember, but I still remember them. Yeah, you were very young to be able to remember all that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, moving out on your own, did you go right from uh, your parents' house to living with Joe? Yeah. What was that like for you, the transition from being like a kid to still really a kid, but living like an adult? Well, in the beginning, it was pretty good because we had a very nice apartment and it was familiar because my mother gave us a lot of her furniture and got new furniture. So we had, it looked, it was homey to me. And, but Joe liked to go out with the boys all the time and left me home alone. And I didn't have a TV or a radio, so I was very lonely. And But I loved them and I kept trying. Yeah. Did you get to see your mom and dad often when you lived alone? Oh, yeah. How far away did you move? Uh, same town, within walking distance, but quite a walk. But usually if I walked over there in the daytime, my father, when he come home from work, drove me home so I'd be home for when Joe got out of work. That's nice. But I, we did live close and we were close. How long were you single before you met your second husband, my father? Well, I met him when I was started going through my divorce, mm. but the divorce took two years because I thought it was going to go through legal services and somehow that fouled up. So when I decided to get serious with your father, 
I borrowed the money and got a real lawyer. So instead of waiting two years for legal aid, I ended up getting a lawyer and actually wasn't, even though we were separated quite a bit, we were only divorced less than a month before I married your father. Oh, wow. Uh, Tell me how you guys met. Uh... I was visiting my sister-in-law on the farm that had quite a few different little houses. And Al had a house on the other side of the farm, and he had rabbits. Well, Vinny was with me when we went to Howard and Mary Ann's, and Vinny disappeared, and I couldn't find Vinny. And he was like 12 at the time, maybe. So I was, where is he? Is he by those horses or the pigs were big? You know, was he going to get in trouble or hurt? So I went out and then I seen him over by Al's house. So I went over and saw the rabbits with Vinny and Vinny said, this is Al. And we started talking and I got very interested in him. Was it like love at first sight, or did you guys oh, no, grow on I each other? I figure he was a good friend. We became good friends. We played pinochle together with Marianne and Howard. We did things together. He drove me home. And this went on for from August. I didn't go out with him on a date until January. Oh, wow. We But we became good friends. I was seeing somebody else, and he was seeing somebody else. But once we went out on a date, that was it. (laughs) It was him and nobody else for the rest of my life. Oh, that's good. I can see you smiling and enjoying your (laughs) eyes, so I'm glad glad that worked out. I'm glad all those uh, situations took place, or else I wouldn't be here. Yeah, you know, it was hard going through it, Mm -hmm. but Vinny liked them, and Edna liked them. (laughs) You know, they approved highly of them. They didn't not like my other boyfriend that I had in between, but they thought he was too old for me. They'd call him Grandpa being funny. <laughs> but he was a very nice guy, very, mm-hmm. treated me very well. But when it came down to it, Al was more important. That's good. I'm glad. I just felt comfortable with him. That's important. It's good to start out as friends because you get to learn yeah, about each other. Yeah, I recommend that highly. To start out as friends and really get to know somebody before you even go out with them. Then you know if you want to be with them. Yeah, that way you know if they're pretending or not or whatever. Yeah. That's good. We had nothing to hide from each other. So tell me about your second marriage. The oh, whole thing. It was good. It was good? <laughs> yeah, we did lots of stuff. We... Went to Mount Airy Lodge in Pennsylvania for long weekends, and we went. To, he loved the races, so we'd go to the stock car races on Saturday night. That was he enjoyed that. I used to tease him, "I'm your wife, but that's your life," because <laughs> <laughs> he loved the races. We had I had four stepchildren: Danny, Darren, Debbie, and Darlene, who had. A lot of respect for me. They, I never had one crossword with any of them. They were always so sweet. In fact, I just talked to Debbie recently. She's doing well. But she. every once in a while, we keep in touch to see what's going on with the kids. And they're all doing good. Uh, you helped raise uh, some, a couple of his kids? Well, I didn't help raise them because they were, like, old enough. I think Darren was 10. He was the youngest. 
and Danny was like 15, but they were there in our house, and it was, we were family. Almost like a Brady Bunch situation. No Brady Bunch situation. Mm -hmm. She kept the girls, and we had the boys. Mm. And it was, but the girls would come over on the weekend, and we'd have everybody together and big meals and very nice. Maybe that's why I was closer with uh, Darren and Danny. I just got to know them better. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, they were pretty much moving out of the house by the time I was born, right? Yeah. Danny was married to Shirley, his first wife. And Darren was going out with Anne-Marie, who later he married. And (laughs) they were more interested in their girls than a baby brother. (laughs) But we were happy to have you. We would take you every place. I think when you were three or four days out of the hospital... We took you to Connie's restaurant, and your father's putting the straw and soda in your mouth, and you're still drinking a lot of soda. Yeah, about three, two liters a day. (laughs) And he just let you suck on a French fry, and you weren't even, you were just about being able to drink a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that restaurant from being a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's still there today. We were always able to take you to any restaurant, and you were always well-behaved, so we could keep going out and enjoying life. I remember you guys taking me everywhere, uh, movies, uh, remember a trip to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. of course, New York all the time. We always wanted to take you different places so you could see everything. We took you to Philadelphia, to the Liberty Bell, Washington, D.C., to all the in- Smithsonian's. We went down by Uncle Bob's house. Lived He lived in Reston at right outside of Washington. So we were able to stay there and go do the sites. Williamsburg, I remember. Williamsburg, he that's where he lived when he passed away. But we did go to Williamsburg. Like Colonial something? Colonial Williamsburg. I remember Pennsylvania Dutch area. Oh, yeah. We'd go out to Miller's Restaurant, uh, the Smorgasburg in Pennsylvania Dutch country. We traveled a lot and did a lot. We took you down to Disney World when you were 10. I think you were 10 at the time. Yeah, it was 85, so. And uh, took you, try to do everything with you. You were special, so all the other kids were grown up. And I couldn't give the other kids what I could give you, so it was a more f- fun raising you. Uh, if you could recommend to somebody, if they're thinking, do I have one kid, do I have four kids, what would you say is better for the kids, for the parents? In one way, it's good to have a lot of kids because they're close. Like Joe and Ralph are still close, and they were raised together. And you were had different advantages. You could... Go places and do things because you could afford to take one child where you couldn't afford to take four children and go places. It just was too expensive for the income we had. Did you learn to be a mother like as you go or did you have a lot of people helping you, teaching you how to be a mother? I, In the very beginning, my mother, when I first had Joe... When I came out of the hospital, instead of going back to my apartment, we went back to my mother's house for a couple weeks so she could teach me how to make the formula, change the baby, do everything I had to do. Then we went back to our place, but my mother showed me in the beginning, and she was very good. 
about teaching me like that. So once I knew it for Joe, I knew it for all of you. Right, right, right. By the time you had me, you had it all figured out. All figured out. I had two grandchildren older than you. Yes, those are my, uh, would be my niece and my nephew. Yep. That are older than me. Yes. That was always confusing to other people when I would introduce people older than me as my niece or nephew. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really good that your mother taught you how to do all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had a really good relationship with Edna, your mother? Yes. Oh, she was a wonderful person. Hard life to follow. I mean, I could never measure up to her. Uh, in my eyes, you're the best. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you did. And I was blessed to have a sister, Grace, that, I mean, when she got paid, the first thing she did was buy me a dress, buy me this, buy me that. When Joe was born, she brought this expensive carriage. I mean... I didn't do without if I didn't, we, if Joe and I couldn't afford it, Grace was right there for us. Oh, wow. I see. I never knew that. Because she was single at the time and had a good job. She was supervisor of the phone company. And Is that how you got a job or just well, coincidence? Yeah, I went the same route she did. I had to go down and apply, but I'm sure it helped that she was in the phone company before me. Right. Uh, how long did she work there? Oh, I don't know, probably seven, eight years until she married Walter. So she had her children after you had your children. Yeah. Well, she had she had Jimbo six weeks after I had Ralph. So 53-ish? Uh, 55. She, well, she got married probably a year and a half before that. They waited a little while to have Jimbo. Mm. But she had seven children. So you were able to help her with all the mothering advice and stuff? Well, she practiced on Ralph. Oh. She came over the house and practiced on Ralph, and I let her. <laughs> <laughs> she would change him. She would feed him. She wanted to see just what she was going to do. But she was a good mother, and she's got, she's got seven. Wow, seven. That's got to be more to handle than four, right? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. We actually have a question from uh, one of our listeners. This question is from Danielle. She says, what was Albie's favorite book to read when he was little? When he was little? Albie's favorite book was Green Eggs and Ham. Really? <laughs> no, Green Eggs and Ham, I am, I am. <laughs> I do remember that one. Did that drive you crazy that I liked the same one over and over again? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he liked the same book over and over again. Hmm. Thank you, Danielle, for that question. So you're already getting questions, and it's our first show. Mm. What was something you realized your parents were right about that you didn't necessarily agree with when you were younger? Um, they were kind of strict, of course. I had to be home by 11 o'clock, and I didn't agree with that because as a teenager— the movies might not get out until 10 after 11, so you would miss the end of a movie because you had to be home at 11 o'clock. But that was a strict rule, and it was their rule. So I didn't agree with that. I would say you would you would do other things instead of going to the movies and things you would enjoy that were pleasant, but you, you couldn't go because you knew you'd miss the end of the movie. 
So that's the only thing I disagreed with them. It was all right when I was going skating Friday and Saturday night because the skating rink got over 11 o'clock and I could run home and be home by 5 after 11. I was right around the corner. But if we had lived further, I couldn't have stayed to the end of that either. And uh, later on, you agree with that rule, though? Yeah, I kind of, because I'd want to know where my kids are at a certain time. But I didn't look at it in their perspective at the time. I figured I'm a teenager. I want to do my thing. But that's why <laughs> teenagers get in a lot of trouble today, because they don't have rules. That's true. Is there anything you would like to talk about? No, I'm just a happy 75-year-old who's had a up-and-down life. But in the end, it was very good. I was happily married to Al for 37 years. Before he passed, I miss him, but I understand he's in heaven with the Lord, so I know I'll see him again. So that's something I have to look forward to. I'm still working at Walmart. Your, your job at Walmart, how's that going? Pretty good. How long have you been there? Twelve and a half years and still work 40 hours a week. Enjoy it. The people are nice. They got nice customers, somebody to talk to, so you're not home alone all the time. And you have some of your regulars that you see almost every day, and it, you get to be very friendly with them and enjoy, and you got good coworkers, and the bosses are pretty good. So I can't complain about my job at all. So you get to be social, get out of the house, and you get paid for it. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Are you ready for this one? Tell me something about yourself that no one else knows. <laughs> I think my life's an open book. <laughs> That's fair enough. If you could leave the world one piece of knowledge, what would it be? Always be happy and love people and try to do your best. You won't always be perfect, but if you try your best, that's all you can ask from yourself. That's amazing. That would be it. That's really good. That's really good. What is the meaning of life? Good question. <laughs> in, in your 75 years, have you uh, come any closer than the rest of us to figuring that out? Well, I think if you find somebody good to love and they love you back, then life is great. And it's a hard time to, you just don't jump into some the first one. I think any hint I could give somebody, they friends first before lovers. I agree. And with that bit of advice, I think the rest will come into full bloom. All right. And that's very beautiful, actually. That, that means a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of time for people to find that stuff out on their own, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of trial and error. Your favorite book that you've read? Mm. Well, I would. One of my favorite books is the Bible because I get a lot of knowledge from that. And that's the first book I think I ever owned. My sister Ruth brought me a little one when I was a kid. And she was really close to the Lord and close to her church all her life. Uh, I just recently read that book, The Help. I got, enjoyed that because it reminded me when I had a maid, but we were so different. We treated our maid, I guess you would call her more a cleaning woman than a maid. Ismay, so uh, everybody treated her with respect, and we liked her coming in the house and cleaning. It was helped my mother when my mother wasn't well. 
So, but it we brought things like that back to my memory. Uh, Gone with the Wind. I read that book when I was young. That book actually was published in uh, 1936, mm-hmm. the year you were born. I guess I read it as a teenager. And when I was real young, my favorite book was series, the Bobsy Twins. <laughs> they had a series of them. And as soon as the series book came out, I had to have my Bobsy Twin books. See, that saying sticks around today, the Bobsy Twins. You guys are like Bobsy Twins, but I never knew that came from a book. Yeah, there was a series. Series of books. Hmm. Very good for a young girl. Your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Hmm. That would be a hard one. Recently, I enjoyed The Bridesmaid. <laughs> that was funny. That was very funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that recently. But I just like going to the movies. I don't like science fiction too much. I don't like if they're gory, but I like a good romantic comedy. As do I. Big things that happened in history while you were uh, growing up. Where you were there for him, like uh, the end of the war. World War II. Yeah, what was that like? Well, I remember being in kindergarten, and they fingerprinted us in case, and then they had air raids where we had to go out in the hall and stay in a certain line, and we were very watched during that time, and my brother was in the Navy, so it meant a lot maybe more to me because I had an older brother in the Navy. Uh, Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. So, actually, his name's John Robert. John Robert Topping. John Robert Topping Jr. I didn't know he was a junior. Yeah, he's named after my father. John Robert Topping. Mm Mm-hmm. So, when you were growing up and it was wartime, was that scary? Yeah, my father was an air raid warden. He had to go out in the street and make sure everybody had their lights out. And we had to have black shades and pull them down so no light would escape the house. So that... In case any planes came over, which they never did, but it was a precautionary thing. So that I remember being young and listening to the radio, to the news, to see what was going on, where. And uh, one of my sister's friends' uh, boyfriend died in the service. I remember that upset my sister a lot. My sister Ruth, she was 13 years older than me. So, and her boyfriend was in the not her boyfriend, but her girlfriend's boyfriend, and uh, that bothered you know it, it affected because my brother was in the service, and if it could happen to somebody you know, it could happen to anybody. So, luckily, Bobby made it home. Yeah, every ship he was on after he got off went down, so he was really fortunate. Wow, very lucky, huh? Very lucky. Um, what was it like when the war ended? Oh, uh, people were dancing in the street. It, and, oh, the, everybody was out celebrating. It was unbelievable. We went down by Newark, and, which is the next town over from Belleville. And everybody was out in the middle of the street dancing and celebrating. Of course, my mother went crazy looking for me. She didn't know I tagged along with everybody else, the big ones. (laughs) Always getting lost, weren't you? (laughs) I was always independent, take long walks, disappear. I didn't, as a young person, I didn't think anything of it. 
Today, you wouldn't let a child out to play. But years ago, you just went out in the street and played jump rope, ball, kick the can, anything. When the street lights come on, you sat under the street lights and played games under the street lights. And all the kids in the neighborhood would play together. Today, you don't see kids out on the street playing. They're at home playing video games or on the internet. Yeah. We had more fun growing up than the kids today, I think. Do you have any Albie stories? Oh, Albie stories. Yeah, just uh, this is something we're going to ask most of our guests. Most of the people I'm going to be talking to have a story they always tell everybody that doesn't know me so they get to know me. Just funny Uh, stories or something silly. Something silly? When you were little and you were a model, they were interviewing you to see if you would do the chocolate pudding commercial with Cosby. And you said, no, chocolate pudding's yucky. So I thought that was the cutest thing you ever did. (laughs) Didn't like chocolate as a kid, huh? You didn't like the chocolate pudding. You weren't a sweet eater. No, I never did like sweets. Mm. Yeah, I didn't realize I was trying to get a job. I was just being honest because I was a young kid. And then the JCPenney catalog wanted you to model underwear. And you said, nobody's taking my picture in underwear. (laughs) (laughs) You You were very honest and upfront. You would do what you wanted to. Your Hulk pajamas you modeled, and you were really the Hulk. <laughs> I remember going, Arr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but if you didn't want to do a commercial, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> I was so a diva, I huh? liked your honesty, and you spoke your mind, and we let you speak your mind. Years ago when we were kids, it was kids were seen and not heard. And I think kids have can be heard to a point. I always remember being treated like an adult almost. Mm. I definitely know who was in charge. You guys were in charge, but I was never talked down to. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like you treated me like an intelligent human being. Yeah, you always have respect. You used to tell your grandfather to read you the encyclopedia. That's how you got so smart. Grandpa would sit and read you the encyclopedia. I don't know why any kid would want to sit and listen to the encyclopedia, but that's what you liked. And you were a very good kid. Never had a problem. Tell some stories about Dad. Mm. There's so many good things. (laughs) Uh, Number one, he was a wonderful husband. He was always there for me when I needed him. The second marriage, it's different than a first marriage. In a first marriage, you go into a blind and you're just not knowing what to expect. In a second marriage, you look for somebody that respects you and loves you and honors you and treats you with respect. I always remember in the beginning when we lived in Farmingdale before we moved to the apartments, we lived in a little, I call it a sugar shack. It was... Uh, he would stop on the road and pick flowers and bring them home to me. Sweet little things like that. Uh, how he wanted to take me out to dinner. He'd buy me flowers. Very considerate. Very, uh, when we went to the races and the ones far away, we would stop at the mom's pepper mill and he'd buy me something each week for the house. Really nice, I would say, Pennsylvania Dutch type. Uh, maybe a bread box one week, canisters the next week, but something for the house, but buy it for me. 
as a, and take me out to dinner every week. He was just considerate like that. Mm-hmm. How he got up in the middle of the night, night when we first had you, and I thought you slept all night, and I was shocked. He said, no, I, he got up and fed you and changed you. My first husband never did that. So I was in shock that here's a father that really gets up and changes the baby and feeds the baby. And he, lo- he went out and brought you the stroller without me knowing in the high chair and he had to buy everything special for you. He, he wanted to do it all. It just was amazing to me that a man was be like that. And he was like that throughout the whole marriage till he got sick and then he couldn't do anymore. And he felt bad that he couldn't do anymore. But, but then he got sick in 1986 and couldn't work. So he tried to do as much for you so I could go out to work and take care of you. So he filled in where he couldn't do. He filled in what I could do. So we worked together as a team. Very well. And that's the main thing. If you work together as a team, a marriage works. He loved you very much. Anytime he talked about you, he always smiled and beamed ear to ear. And mm. Every night, we, the last six months of his life, every night when he went to bed, he said, he'd say, if I don't wake up in the morning, you remember one thing, I love you. That's how he went to bed every night for the last six months. It was, uh, it was a great experience growing up in such a loving house, and I appreciate it. Yeah, we had our little tiffs, but everybody everybody does. does. Yeah, but that's every once in a blue moon we straighten everything out and we'd be fine again. But all in all, it was a very good thirty-seven years. So a good life overall. Good life overall. A lot of hard knocks in the beginning, but and it's lonely now. But I always look forward to Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Tuesday night is when Heather and Albie and I get together for dinner. I look forward to it also. And it's important to me to have something to look forward to. And now I got to look forward to the baby coming. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. It's hurting me to not shop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you'll get your chance in a little while. I keep on saying, ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that. (laughs) I won't buy everything for the baby. I can't wait. Once we find out the gender and make sure it's okay. Mm-hmm. Then everything's on. <laughs> yep, that'll be another ten weeks, but yep, be a long ten weeks. And we got like six to eight more, a month and a half. Unless, like Carol's, when Carol was pregnant, this girl that works in Walmart, she said every time the sonogram, the baby had his hands down here, <laughs> and she they couldn't tell whether it was a boy or girl. <laughs> It's all according to how the baby sits. So you're excited to be a grandmother again? Again. My oldest grandchild's 40 years old. And now you're going to have one that's zero. Zero. We'll start all over again. It's exciting. All the other ones are parents and my oldest great-grandchild's in college. Wow. So it's really starting over again. It'll be a great time. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being my first guest on A Conversation with Albie. You were uh, magnificent. You're a natural at this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. This stuff is very important to have for uh, posterity's sake. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was very, very good getting to know you more. I found out some stuff I didn't know, which was very pleasing. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. And I love you. Love you. For our first show, I think we did rather well. I'm glad I got a chance to record a conversation with my mother. Um, it's something I wish I would have done with my father. I had always planned to do it, and I always thought I had more time, but in the end, I didn't. In this interview, there's a great example of my saying, everyone has their hockey. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've ever heard an interview with David Boreanaz, TV's Angel from Buffy Angel, and uh, also he plays Sealy Booth on Bones... Any interview he's in, no matter what show it's on and no matter what he's promoting, he ends up talking about hockey. I really like David Boreanaz's work, but I know nothing about him because all he ever talks about is hockey. So when I say everyone has their hockey, it's uh, what their passion is, what they like to talk about. Uh, in my mom's case, it's religion. And like I said, everyone has their hockey. And my hockey happens to be Firefly. If there's nothing to talk about, I try to talk about Firefly because I enjoy it. And uh, if you've heard my other podcasts, you probably realize I try to sneak Firefly in there somewhere at some point. It'll be interesting in future conversations to see what other people's hockey is. All in all, I think this is going to be a very good experience. If you or someone you know wants to be on a conversation with Albie, please visit barrenspace.com and let us know. And this is Albie saying, ignorance is bliss, but knowledge is worth it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of A Conversation with Albie. Go to barrenspace.com to listen to new installments of this and other great podcasts from Barron Space Productions. Support from listeners like you help keep this podcast operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal on barrenspace.com. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of a conversation with Albie, Barron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. Special thanks to Stephen Norder for web maintenance and ZeroPain.com for providing reliable and painless web service. A Conversation with Albie is edited by Albie. A Conversation with Albie is a Barron Space production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. <laughs>